Welcome to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. Each week we talk about heart rate variability and how it can be used to improve your overall health and wellness. Please consider the information in this podcast for your informational use and not medical advice. Please see your medical provider to apply any of the strategies outlined in this episode. Heart Rate Variability Podcast is a production of Optimal LLC and Optimal HRV. Check us out at OptimalHRV.com. Please enjoy the show. Welcome, friends, to the Heart Rate Variability Podcast. I am Matt Bennett, here with one of my favorite uh, past guests, one of my favorite teachers on heart rate variability, Dr. Fred Schaefer. Dr. Schaefer, welcome back to the show. Um, we did this in really uh, short notice because uh, you have a course coming up that I really wanted to get out there to the world. Free course, which is great. It's always fun to sell free things. Uh, yes. So I really wanted to introduce this topic to our audience because I've been absolutely obsessed with it since the AAPB conference. Uh, and knowing that I could talk to you about it, uh, just I'm glad this all came together. So I, I know our audience uh, knows you, but maybe just a quick intro of yourself, but, but more so an intro of the course uh, so we can get that information out right up front uh, before we explore the topic and uh, introduce it to our audience. Thanks, Matt. I have taught at Truman State University since 1975. We established our lab around 1976-77, and for many decades, probably about three, we have worked on heart rate variability in respiration research. Uh, the uh, webinar that uh, I'm talking about today uh, is a free webinar offered by our friends at the Northeast Regional Biofeedback Society. It will be August 3rd, uh, 12 uh, p.m. Eastern. It's just an hour. Uh, the topic is Add Slow Pace Contraction to Heart Rate Variability Biofeedback Training. And I will largely, in that 60-minute period, try to talk about why you should do it the nuts and bolts of doing it and the advantages uh, of using muscle contraction uh, as opposed to uh, breathing or heartfelt emotion. Awesome. Well, let's start it because I'll be honest with you, coming into the conference, I was not familiar with this concept, even at a basic level. So once I learned about it, and I found it was, I thought it was interesting too, because we had a lot of students at the conference presenting on it, which I always think is a good mm -hmm. sign. Uh, if, if the young people are interested in it, it's always good for uh, people uh, my age to pay attention to what gets them excited. So as someone who got, got exposed to this and then has really been obsessed about it ever since, mm -hmm. can you give maybe a really layman's uh, introduction uh, to this slow-paced uh, contraction and uh, how it relates to heart rate variability. Okay. The research that uh, was uh, the foundation for slow-paced muscle contraction was done in labs like the Rutgers lab of uh, Paul Lair, 
uh, Yevgeny Vashilo, Branya Vashilo. And what they found were there were many ways to stimulate uh, the body to increase heart rate variability, that it isn't just breathing. Mm -hmm. uh, breathing is great. Uh, and much of Paul Lehrer and Dick DeVerse's work uh, has focused on using slow-paced breathing uh, to increase heart rate variability. But what Bashilo and his colleagues showed was you can do it other ways. Mm -hmm. uh, and one of the ways is to stimulate uh, the blood pressure regulation system with a very brief uh, muscle contraction. Uh, back in the Clinton years, uh, there was a phrase, a catchphrase, uh, it's the economy, stupid. Uh, I never thought the word stupid was particularly kind, <laughs> but uh, I get that they need to, to uh, drive the point home. Uh, I will not adopt that word uh, for my catchphrase would be, it's the rate of stimulation, <laughs> smart person. <laughs> I love okay? it. Uh, so it's it's so it's the rate and not the method of stimulation that matters. Uh, and how you do it then, uh, based on the work from French and work by the Bushilos and then work finally from our lab, uh, we're pretty sure that a good way of doing it, I, I never want to say this is the only way or right. the best way. Uh, is you support your legs. So this is something that you would probably want to do when you are uh, at home uh, in a uh, office session. Uh, you support your legs on a second chair. You cross your ankles. Uh, and what you do is you contract your wrist, core, and ankles for a very short period of time, uh, basically all of three seconds, mm. a minute, all of three, so you don't have to do it very long. Uh, and uh, so uh, using the optimal HRV uh, breathing app, uh, you would start the contraction. It doesn't have to be a very strong contraction. In fact, I think it probably can be just a very a mild contraction, you start it one half seconds before the peak of the display. And then you end the contraction one half seconds after you've reached the peak. And you do that uh, at whatever the person's preferred rate is. So it could be uh, you could set your if you could set it at your resonance frequency. You could set it six contractions per minute if you didn't uh, calculate the resonance frequency, which you can easily do with the optimal HRV app. So there's that. Let, let me unpack everything, and and I love it because we were talking ahead. Is that with an hour, there's probably not going to be a lot of times for Q and A after the course. So. I love that I get the Q&A session one-on-one -on -one, uh, uh, with the teacher here. So uh, let me start to unpack some of that stuff. So the the positioning, are we 
with that legs up, legs crossed, uh, that contraction, you know, are we, are we looking for like, is, is there anything, I mean, there's obviously something special about that position. Are we looking for like a full body contraction? Is, is that, yes. what, what are, what are your thoughts to get people in that position to get the, the maximum benefits? I want it from the core. Uh, I want it from the core all the way to the ankles. Okay. So from wrist to core to ankles, uh, we have we've compared uh, wrists and ankles versus core uh, with and without. Uh, we think that uh, in uh, including the core uh, better stimulates uh, our blood pressure. Uh, regulation loops. So we think that adding the core uh, is an advantage. Uh, it's very easy to do. Uh, it's not clear why crossing the uh, ankles helps. I, I think uh, I think that is a research question yet to be answered. We know that this is how French originally did their research uh and so we adopted that okay uh, but whether it is an active component or uh is just superstitious in the sense of it was thrown in but uh, there's no evidence that it really makes a contribution uh crossing just your ankles is not a big deal mm -hmm. and if your legs are up there crossing them is a very small thing and we were able to replicate some of French's findings. Interesting. And, and so the, the other part I wanted to follow up on was the, the rate itself. So not necessarily residence frequency is better or worse than any other sort of rate, or, or do you see some benefits of getting that at residence frequency? That continues to be one of those uh, unanswered questions in the field. Yeah, uh, There are data, uh, but it's a very small data set from studies that have compared resonance frequency with values around six. Uh, what, what we learned, uh, and largely by accident, uh, was that uh, we can make the question more uh, challenging. And that is, we do see evidence for some benefit to slowing it down even well below six. And so instead of six, uh, or instead of four and a half, which tends to be the lower range, lower uh, end of the adult resonance frequency range, uh, we see robust effects around once per minute and three per minute. And the reason that uh, we think we see those results, uh, and we see in the lab, so that it, it they're real. Yeah. Uh, is that we are simply, we're very likely stimulating a different uh, blood pressure uh, regulation loop uh, that's called uh, the vascular tone. Mm -hmm. uh, system. Okay. Uh, and unpacking that, vascular tone means the diameter of the blood vessel. Yeah. Uh, 
and it has a resonance somewhere closer to one to three. Interesting. Uh, so we do see some evidence of even stronger effects uh, when we slow it down to say one, one contraction uh, a minute. So it and remind me, maybe you said this already, but like if I'm doing one contraction a minute, like my RF frequency breathing rate's like four breaths per minute. I'm I'm on yeah. the lower end. So I I would how long would I be? So I, would I be holding that contraction for like? I'm trying to think like. The answer there is it's just for three seconds. Okay, just for three. Hold three seconds, and you breathe. The one important idea about slow pace contraction is you just breathe at whatever rate you want. Okay. In other words, you're you're letting your contraction do the work instead of your breathing doing the work. Fascinating. So and then I, I know you're, you're a, a guru and expert on measurement and the biofeedback aspects of this. So what what when you're studying this, are, are you looking for like, improvements in low frequency RMSSD? What, what are you like seeing? Oh. All of those things. We look for all of those things. And uh, clearly one of the ways you can tell where the person is stimulating uh, the blood pressure regulation systems effectively is by increasing low frequency band power. Uh, this is the only time that you want to see uh, increased low frequency yeah. band power. If yeah. you see it when people are breathing at normal rates, uh, that's a problem. Yeah. It means the vagal break is on when you should have it off. Right. Uh, I think that uh, we look at low frequency power, we look at RMSSD, and that is a a time domain metric. Let me unpick. Your audience and Dali has heard about it many, many uh, different uh, podcasts. But this is one of the go-to metrics. It measures the uh, amount of heart rate variability in the time that you're doing uh, the, the monitoring. Uh, it seems to be a fairly robust uh, metric. Uh, many uh, apps, uh, Apple Watch, for example, mm -hmm. uh, use RMSSD and then just name it heart rate variability without explaining, yeah. uh, at least initially, what uh, it meant. Uh, so RMSSD is one, uh, but you know it's like blind uh, sages uh, trying to puzzle out an elephant. Uh, by touching different portions of its anatomy. Uh, RMSSD covers some aspects of heart rate variability, SDNN, others. Uh, we take a look at a number of metrics uh, and then see where there's significant change. Uh, yeah. uh, in the end, you want to see higher low frequency power while you're performing this activity, you also want to see greater respiratory sinus arrhythmia. And unpacking that, it would be the difference between the fastest heart rate and the slowest heart rate. Yeah. 
for a period of time. So when you, you know, think about this, it's, it's just because I know in, in the, the the course we're going to go into, you mm-hmm. know, more more on the professionals bringing this into practice and and working on that aspect. I imagine there's folks like me who, uh, one, I, I can't wait for the course, but two is like, can I use this at home? Because it seems like something I could do while I watch Netflix, while I read a book even, like may, maybe I'd have to like set up my book in a way that would be, but it seems so easy and accessible it is. for folks. So so are we talking about like a, a 20 minute, like we talk about breathing practice or are, what, what are we, what do you, do you have a home kind of recommendation of individual work around this? I do. Uh, and uh, I would recommend uh, that uh, you use uh, a very friendly app uh, like uh, the Optimal HRV app. Use the breathing pacer, but not for breathing, for muscle yeah. contraction. Uh, and uh, what I'd recommend is I would actually set the time aside for no interruptions, for not doing anything, especially if you want to teach mindfulness. Yeah. Uh, we don't want to distract them. Right. Uh, and so I would like them to, in the amount of time, uh, one could work up to 20 minutes. Uh, you ease into 20 minutes would be the maximum. Uh, and to acquire uh, this signal, uh, so you can keep track, uh, I would suggest that for this purpose, uh, you use uh, a polar H10 band. And let me tell you why. If I use your excellent HRV reader, I'll get artifact from the wrist because you are contracting the wrist. Oh, and the muscles that are uh, contracted uh, are essentially contributing to your ECG readings. Yeah, that makes total sense. Because their frequency spectra overlap uh, almost completely. Okay. So I would just use a polar band. Uh, I'd sync it up to the optimal HRV app. I would go to your breathing uh, app and just use your pacer. And instead of breathing, I would just, again, a minute and a, you know, a second and a half uh, before the peak, start a mild uh, contraction. And then a, a second and a half after the peak, uh, I would then relax. And by way of analogy, uh, I love Dr. Ina Hazan's example of how forcefully should you breathe? And she says, as if you are smelling a flower. Yeah. Uh, in the same way, transfer the concept, how forcefully should I contract? Gently. Yeah, absolutely. So the, 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 these are sort of the questions. I'm glad I have you on the podcast because I could ask these and not be embarrassed 
in a professional uh, sort of thing. But one of the things that pops to my mind and, and forgive the Western mindset, because wow. it's just like, I know some of the folks listening have got me thinking the same thing. Well, hey, Fred, can I do this and resonance frequency breathing at the same time and get a multiplying effect? We think it's possible. Uh, I'll tell you how. Uh, you first of all have to uh, not contract the core. So it would just be wrist and ankles. You okay. still might cross your ankles, but you're not going to contract your core. Gotcha. And then you can synchronize breathing and muscle contraction uh, with the same display. Now, I have to confess, I didn't bring my receipts today. And let me tell you <laughs> what that means. Uh, just before, towards the end of last semester at Truman State University, uh, the university was uh, paralyzed by uh, malware, ransomware. Oh. Uh, and for roughly two weeks, all university computers had to be shut down. And so this was a time we were transferring our data so I could do the data analysis. No. So we've done the study. Uh, it is a fairly large M. Uh, I believe it will be in the 50s. Uh, it's undergraduates. Yeah. Uh, so uh, the question can always be asked, how well does this generalize to clinical yeah. populations? Uh, my expectation is that for uh, AAPB uh, annual meeting, uh, which will be uh, May 2024 uh, in Denver. Yeah, uh, I, I hadn't heard the Denver announcement yet. So uh... that we just uh, we just locked in uh, the property and the date and uh, awesome. Uh, I hope to present my students to present those findings. Uh, so I haven't seen the data, uh, but uh, the data are are safe. Uh, <laughs> students probably have about a month or less of data uh, transfer. So we we have addressed that we have addressed that question, uh, and that was our uh, semester project. So cool. So cool. So can I ask why not the core? Because you have to uh, contract and relax your abdomen uh, to breathe. And if you sure. are at the point that you contract uh, your core, you're interfering with breathing. Perfect sense. For that period. Perfect sense. So... I think the the big thing, and I know I, you know, after sessions or if I could corner one of the students who are presenting mm -hmm. on this topic, one of the things I know a lot of us were kind of nerding out about is like, I am a, you know, a student, I would say uh, that mm -hmm. beginner's mind level of Qigong and, uh, you know, I, I do sort of Tai Chi, you know, movement. And so I'm pelvic you know, contraction, those sort of movements. And as, I, as I'm listening to people talking about this, 
I think the thing that just resonated with me is like, is this why we see some of these benefits? Not that they're a one-to-one comparison by any stretch of the imagination, but things like Tai Chi, Qigong, like these uh, yoga maybe to some extent, are, are we kind of tapping into maybe some of these traditional methods of slow, I guess, low and slow breathing, low and slow movement yeah. sort of with the Tai Chi. Do you think we're tapping into some of the same systems with this or is that just my mind connecting dots that don't really exist? I go back to the idea, it's the rate smart person. <laughs> uh, typically in uh, these uh, forms uh, like Tai Chi, uh, you're not uh, doing it uh, in a rhythmic uh, once a minute, uh, once, you know, uh, rate. Uh, and so you're probably not, you're getting benefits, but not by stimulating uh, the blood pressure regulation loops. Okay. Uh, you need to do it consistently at a given rate. Uh, and what we're doing is extending that from the four and a half to six and a half times a minute for breathing for adults and saying, hey, you can do it uh, at one yeah, uh, or three times a minute. Uh, and these typically are, the issue is one of consistency. Now understand that in some of their early work at Rutgers, they did something that was a little horrific, uh, also uh, completely ethical. Uh, they, <laughs> showed, they showed uh, participants emotionally powerful slides. Mm -hmm. uh, so there'd be positive images as well as horrific images. And it was the rate of the uh, emotional slide uh, presentation that uh, increased HRV. Interesting. So that's visual as opposed yeah. to uh, using uh, muscle contraction or breathing. Fascinating. So, I, boy, yeah, I, I just find, yeah, it's it's such a uh, a new way to look at this. So, one of the final questions that I have, because I, I do want to save, I, I don't want to go, so I got your slide deck right in front of me, so I'm trying to save uh, enough juicy things for the course itself, because uh, I, I, like I said, I can't wait uh, uh, to, to participate. So, uh, you know, with Ina's work around uh, HRV biofeedback and then mindfulness and, and now self-compassion is almost a separate thing from mindfulness. I would say cousins maybe mm -hmm. would be uh, uh, my layman's uh, explanation mm -hmm. of that. So has have you or anybody else looked at doing a meta mindful mindfulness practice, self-compassion on top of this to measure bringing like she's done with rf breathing bringing mindfulness on top of that has any work been done around this while bringing in a, a guided meditation mindfulness practice any differentiation in data that uh, you've seen coming out of uh anything like that many uh a few decades ago uh, we explored 
something that is again uh, a kissing cousin of what you're talking about. <laughs> uh, we were fascinated by uh, our friends at the Institute of Hard Maths uh, heartfelt emotion approach. Yeah. And we wondered what uh, heartfelt emotion contributed to increasing HRV. And we did a series of about four studies uh, that looked at uh, heartfelt emotion using their uh, quick coherence method mm -hmm. uh, to see if it could by its, it could uh, increase the benefits of breathing, whether it could buffer people from the effects of experimental stressors, help them recover from experimental stressors. The takeaway uh, over the course of four studies over probably about four or five years was that there are many desirable uh, advantages to uh, heartfelt emotion. We think uh, that our friends at the Institute of Heart Math uh, are right on target in encouraging people to be kind uh, to be compassionate and so forth. Yeah. But one of the benefits that doesn't come from heartfelt emotion is increased heart rate variability. Fascinating. That uh, it doesn't in, by itself increase heart rate variability. It doesn't leverage uh, slow-paced breathing and make slow-paced breathing more effective. So you do it for the fact that uh, you become a kinder version of yourself. Yeah. You do it because you want to model this uh, and change the people in your immediate world. Uh, but you don't do it to increase heart rate variability. Heart rate variability. So this is, I, I think you've, uh, you know, it's that Western mindset is that if, you know, 100 milligrams of vitamin C is good, 300 has to be amazing. No. It sounds like you've really in many ways at this point in the research have in some ways, if I don't know, you can, you can throw a different word in here, but you may have isolated an approach that is just beneficial in and of its own right. Might be, might be strengthening aspects of heart rate variability. And please correct me if I'm wrong here, but maybe strengthening aspects of heart rate variability or what leads to heart rate variability that, that might be a, different strengthening than a mindfulness practice or even a pace breathing practice is we've got a different way to strengthen part of that autonomic mm -hmm. nervous system. Am I, am I passing the exam here or even getting maybe a B minus uh, on this? You know, I have another month till I have to start grading students. <laughs> I don't like being out of that business for a while, I don't teach during the summer. Uh, let me let me answer your question this way. I think there are fundamentals that uh, can change the way that we live, change the way that we interact with others, uh, that in themselves do not. Uh, increase heart rate variability as if that were uh, 
the metric by which we judge everything. Yeah. In and of itself, they, but rather sets the, the conditions in which, and let me give you an example. Mindfulness helps to set the conditions to better master any skill, whether it be Zen archery or heart rate variability uh, or emotional self-regulation. Heartfelt emotion by making us more appreciative, kinder, gentler, sets the conditions in which a person is more likely to experience greater heartfelt emotion and greater heart rate variability. Uh, compassion, uh, self-compassion, which uh, it is easier for some people to be compassionate towards others, strangers, than to themselves. Uh, and as we've talked already, uh, particularly uh, in the trauma population, uh, it is hard for uh, these individuals to uh, cultivate self-compassion. Yeah. So uh, this creates the, uh, it's like you want, you have a garden, uh, you want your plants to grow and thrive. These are the water and other things that you provide uh, to help the plants grow. Awesome. Wow. Well, that that's an A plus answer. Uh, not not that I'm going to grade the professor, but uh, <laughs> and that that was beautifully put. Because I I think we do have this like and that's where all like the nerd conversations at the mm -hmm. conference because it was such a it was a new topic it was a new concept to a lot of us and mm -hmm. I think the mind automatically tries to attach it to things that we already feel comfortable with. And what I love about our conversation and really this approach having, you know, really at the beginning of my learning curve around it is, no, this is this is a beautiful, uh, non-invasive, um, easy to access. I would say in my language, likely trauma-informed for most people because I don't think this could be re-traumatizing Right. Or, I mean, you never know, but I, I think it's right. pretty, you know, uh, uh, like I said, non-threatening at the very mm -hmm. least. Um, so it's it's just really great to discover this, you know, in this realm of the umbrella of heart rate variability, that there there's this additional pathway to, you know, nurturing that garden um, right. of overall health yes. and wellness. Yes. Beautifully put. Well, one more reminder, uh, if people weren't uh, really excited before this conversation, I'm sure they are now. Can you just give one more reminder about uh, the course? Uh, obviously, we'll put up this all in the show notes, too. Uh, but just one more uh, brief reminder of, of when and where they can find the course. Okay. Uh, the when is August 3rd. Uh, and it's 12 p.m. Eastern. It's just an hour, and it's free. The uh, where is the Northeast Regional Biofeedback Society. And if you go to their website, uh, a link is up where you can register, and it is free. Sounds good. Well, there you go, everybody. So um, I'll put a little bit of contact information for Dr. Schaefer, also a little bit of information in the show notes as well. But 
my friend, uh, this is, it's been a, I've just been obsessed with it since the conference. So uh, to sit at your feet and learn from you again uh, is always a, a extreme honor and pleasure of mine. So I know I speak for my audience. Uh, just thank you uh, for your ongoing work and uh, sharing with it on the podcast with us. Thank you. All right. We'll see everybody at the course.